know, it has been said that a few great men finish well. It's a very stunning statement. But even in the stories of the Bible, we find this to be true. As the Bible gives us examples and accounts of those who had great beginnings, yet faltered in the middle years of their lives or even towards the end of their lives. And I came to wonder as I pondered upon this statement, few great men finish well. Who do I think finished well in their life of following Jesus? I can think of many people in my imagination, many names come across, but I was able to be reminded of a man that we lost recently in these past few months, um, a very godly man, a man by the name of Ravi Zacharias. He was a Christian apologist who, ever since coming to know Jesus Christ, gave his life to Christ, and he was a man that we can be able to consider, consider that he kept the faith, he fought the fight, he finished the course, and he finished well. Well, the reason why I bring up this man and this statement here today on this evening is because there is an important point that many fail to finish well. You see, I believe everyone in this room, majority of us and those that are watching, as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a follower of Christ, we have started the race. Whether you believe it or not, we are all in a race the issue is not starting the race, but the issue is actually, may we finish well. The reason why the book of Daniel is such a standout book in the whole entirety of the Old Testament scriptures is because of this fact. I want to share a truth of chapter 6, reviewing from chapter 1. From chapter 1 to chapter 6, it's only a few pages in the Bible for us, or maybe a few scrolls on our devices. But in actuality, many, many years have gone by since chapter 1 to chapter 6. And it is believed that Daniel at this time in chapter 6 is to be in his years of 80s. And as we know in chapter 1, Daniel started off as a youth, as many other youths were taken from Jerusalem, snatched away from their land, and taken into exile. But now we see Daniel is at an old age at this time. What I found interesting and also encouraging to see was that Daniel, though he was placed in this adopted country, he had to adapt to many things like culture, traditions, laws, and even languages. And I couldn't help but to think of those that have traveled from their homeland to come to America. You see, before I came to know a lot of the church members here in the congregation, I never knew how difficult it was to migrate from their home country to a new land. And I was really blessed to see how God has persistently provided for those even in this room with citizenship, with a certain status. Because for me, I have been blessed in a way where I have been given the privilege to be born here. But now that I see how God has provided for even our brothers and sisters in this room, I give him praise. But even for Daniel, he had to move from a place where he was born to a place that was foreign to him. Not only did he have to adapt to these cultures and traditions, he remained steadfast in his character, which I want to really share on today. He remained loyal to his adopted country, and he was consistent in all the things that he said and all the things that he did. You see, when I look at the book of Daniel, I see the characteristics of God and I see the characteristics of man. When I look at the characteristics of God in the book of Daniel, I see that God is sovereign and I see that God is faithful. But when I look at the characteristics of Daniel, of the men in Daniel, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I see that they did two things consistently. They spoke truth without fear, and they remained faithful to their God. 
And this is the truth that we see today. Daniel lived a life of steady consistency. One of the things about leadership that I admire is consistency in their walk with Jesus. Today we see by now he is confronted with a challenge as we have just read. And we may think at the age that he is, in the age of 80s, that challenges shouldn't be too rough at that time of the years of your age. That challenges shouldn't be that difficult. But in my opinion, I have come to see in my life that the longer we go, the tougher it gets. It is to be true that when we are born, everything is provided for us. We are hand-fed. And even in our teenage years of our youth, we are provided for. But through life, as we go on and on, the tougher it gets. The more we go, the more we are aware of our sinful hearts. And the more we go, the more we are aware of the temptations that bound us. And we are aware now that those temptations are actually strong. So, be able, so to be able to get to the final decades of your life like Daniel and to run to and through the finish line, it is of great encouragement to us. You know, looking at the idea of the finish line, I was reminded of one of my favorite things to do. I uh, am very fond of sports. I was a very active child and I'm still active now. Um, I enjoy playing soccer, but more than soccer, the sport itself, I enjoy what takes place in soccer. Running is one of my favorite things to do. People think I run fast because I want to score a goal or I want a victory, but I actually run because it makes me feel free. <laughs> it makes me feel good. And I never realized why I loved running so much until I was preparing the sermon. Before I always thought running was a part of my childhood to my high school years as I was in the track team. I always thought running was just something I did because of anxiety or to be free or to just clear my thoughts. But I came to realize running didn't bring me pleasure, but allowed me to find pleasure in God. And speaking of running, I thought of one famous runner. If those that are here have seen the movie Chariots of Fire, you will know that there is a famous man that is depicted in that film. He was not just a runner who was running into the Olympics trying to win the gold medal, but he was known to be a runner for the Lord. In 1924, this man named Eric Little, he was qualified in the 100-meter race for the Olympics. But when he saw the schedule of when that day, of when that race was, he refused to run that race. The officials questioned him, why do you refuse to run this race? You can possibly be an Olympic medalist, gold medalist. And he said, that day is Sunday, and that is the Lord's day, and this is a day I dedicate to my God. A few days later, however, after he lost some fan base, after many people dis disagreed with his beliefs, there was another race that he was already qualified for. There was a 400-meter race that was taking place. He not only ran this 400-meter race a few days later, but he actually won the gold medal and he broke the world record. 400-meter race, he finished it in 47.6 seconds. Nobody expected him to win. Nobody sided for him. Nobody favored him. Just like we see Daniel. Daniel seemed to be alone. But God was on Eric Little's side as we see that God is on Daniel's side and God is on our side. Eric eventually gave up running the passion that he had. 
He gave up the fame that came with the medal, and he became a missionary in China. He later died at the age of 46 because of a brain tumor. But when I look at the life of Eric Little, I realize one thing. He ran as fast as he could. His whole life was dedicated to winning the Olympics as a gold medalist. His life was fast-paced. But one thing that is sure, that even though his life was a fast dash or a sprint, he kept his focus on Jesus. And on the last days of his life to the day that he died, he finished the race and he finished it well. He said, this, he said this quote after he won the 400 meter race. I want to share this with you. The secret of my success over the 400 meter is that I run the first 200 meters as fast as I can. Then for the second 200, with God's help, I run faster. Eric Little is not slowing down towards the end, but he is actually speeding up towards the end. Another point that I want to come across with another example is through Charles Simeon. He was a pastor in England who was a pastor for 54 years. Wow. Nearing the end of his life, his friends came to him and said, Charles, you've been a pastor. You've done well. You've shared the good news of the gospel for 54 years. You have helped the oppressed. You have helped those in need. Take a break. This is the time for you to slow down because you are nearing the end. And to this, Charles Simeon replied, shall I not run with all my might now that I see the finish line in view? This isn't when you slow down. This is when you run faster. As we see the perspective of Eric Little and Charles Simeon, I was fascinated by their idea of not slowing down when you start this race on the second half, but you actually dash and go faster. Let me share a little bit more about Daniel for this to make sense. I want to share here a lot in this chapter, but I don't expect to cover everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try my best to summarize Daniel's characteristics and God's faithfulness by sharing a few words that start with the letter D. First word I want to share, Daniel was distinguished. He was distinguished. In verse 3, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. A couple verses before this, we see what kind of officials that the king Darius had appointed. He had 120 satraps who had responsibility over the entire kingdom. And he had three administrators where Daniel was one of them, who made sure that there was no loss to the king, maybe loss in revenue, maybe loss in territory and land. But Daniel was in line to receive the top position. And I came to ask myself, as I do when I read the Bible, why did King Darius choose Daniel, who was 80 years old in this life? Why would he choose such an old man? Well, the Bible even gives us the answer in the same verse, because Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. In other words, there was a quality about the life of Daniel. There was an exceptional capacity in Daniel's characteristics, in his quality of life, for being able to face and overcome many difficulties in his life. As we know in the book of Daniel, Daniel is faced with a life-threatening situation as he is in Daniel chapter 2, as he is told to interpret the dream. 
or even come up with whatever the dream was, to guess what the dream was. And even in Daniel chapter 4, he once again interprets the dream. But he is facing many difficult situations of his life. I believe many of us are now facing many difficult and challenging situations of our lives. But Daniel had God on his side. He had an uncanny wisdom that was provided by God, from God, for the glory of God. Daniel not only interpreted dreams, but he had an amazing gift, an amazing blessing to make practical judgments to those he was serving under. Because out of the kings that he was serving under, out of the many kings, he was able to make practical judgments that brought benefits to those who were in authority above him. Daniel was distinguished. He was a standout guy. Daniel was distinguished by the quality of his life, and Daniel was distinguished by the integrity of his life. Verse 4 reads, And the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. When you think about this, it's pretty significant because when you think about the positions that Daniel was in, they were very susceptible positions to a dishonest living. So to say, he was working with the officials. He was working with those of great power and authority. He too could have possibly fallen into great temptation and great dishonesty living in his life. However, the Bible tells us in today's reading that Daniel was blameless because he was faithful. He was neither corrupt nor negligent in his life. He had a quality of integrity. The best way for me to explain integrity is to be the same person in your public persona and in your private morality. The Bible tells us that Daniel had this kind of integrity, that no matter where he went or who he was with, he was always the same man. Public view and private secrecy where no one is looking. How is our integrity? I can tell you for one that I have struggled, am still struggling with the idea of integrity. But Daniel and the Bible today reminds us how Daniel reveals the integrity and remained faithful to his God. Daniel was marked by stability in a world that was shaky. Daniel was marked by purity in a world that was increasingly dirty. And Daniel was marked by integrity in an environment that was shady. And we see why the king would choose such a man to be the prime minister. Second word I want to share here, out of the five, just so you have an idea of how long this sermon will be. <laughs> the second word is Daniel was first distinguished, but Daniel was also despised. You would think that such a great guy, a guy of great integrity, a guy of great quality of life, would be favored by all, would be admired by all, would be respected by all. But we all know by now, that no matter who we are, to put it in a worldly term, there will always be haters. And I know that some of you may have experienced this or be experiencing it now, but Daniel was despised by those around him. The transition between verse 4 and 3, verse 3 and 4, we see first that the king wanted to set him over the whole realm of his kingdom. However, in verse 4, we see the governor's satrap sought to find a trap, a charge against him. 
At this time, I do want to briefly share a point of jealousy. Jealousy is a dangerous thing. Cheer uh, to, right? Jealousy is a dreadful thing in the life of the believer. There's many sermons on jealousy, but one thing that I was able to kind of dig deeper on this point this time around was that where does jealousy usually come from? And I realized we're often not very jealous of those that are distant from us. As I mentioned that I like sports, I'll name a few athletes. Kobe Bryant, Lionel Messi, Serena Williams. When I see these athletes, I don't find myself to be raged with bitterness and jealousy for them. I admire them. I respect them. And why? Because I am not in close relationship with them. They are distant from me. We admire them, but we are not jealous of them. So where does jealousy strike? Jealousy comes from those that we are close with, and jealousy comes in those we are in close proximity of. I want to ask you this question. <laughs> Who are you most jealous of usually? I try to really consider this question, and I think the best answer is our friends. Our family, too. We become jealous of our siblings and our relatives, but many times we become very jealous of our friends, do we not? For an example, you and your friend working same hours just as hard, but they get a promotion, and you feel this sense of unfairness. Why do they get a promotion? Why do they get paid more when we work the same, when I work just as hard? What about for some of us here that are younger, trying to get into a good school? You all apply to colleges, your friends, and you always talk about it. My top choices are going to be these options. And all your friends get their number one choice. But for some reason, you do not get accepted. Are you not jealous at that moment? You feel like some sense of unfairness. Maybe some of us here, including myself, we see our friends on Instagram, on Facebook, on social media. We see how happy they are in their marriages. We see how happy they are with the children they have. They look like they have a wholesome family. Yet, why am I still single? <laughs> what is going on here? Does God not love me? Why are they blessed? And you sense this jealousy. Or even for those that have families, you visit other families and you look at their living conditions. Wow, they live well. Why do I not live well? Or even your financial comparisons. These are just examples I want to give as we look into this verse of how these satraps, governors, and officials were jealous of Daniel of how dangerous jealousy is and what kind of dangerous choices that jealousy will lead us to make. I want to share here something that really touched my heart as I was preparing. There is a sense of connection on how we can celebrate the success of others. I know I really, I actually bring this up quite often in my sermons. But can you celebrate the success of others? Because the success of others and how you celebrate with them is a key indicator of your relationship with God. Think about this for a second. How we respond to the success of others around us is a key indicator of where we stand in relationship to God and also in the security of our own identity in Christ. Are you the type to celebrate the achievements of others? Are you able to celebrate the success of others or will you be bitter and jealous? 
it is saying that this reveals, this is a key indicator of how we are in our relationship with God, but also in the security of our own identity in Christ. For those that need to hear this today, I want to tell you, for those that are younger here as well, do not compare yourself to others. Because when you compare yourself to others, you tend to forget who you are in your identity in Christ. You tend to forget your security that you have that comes in Jesus Christ. Because when you compare, you feel that things are unfair. You feel like they have a life that's better, and therefore you become insecure. But we are more than that. We have security in Christ, and our identity is in Christ. Therefore, we are who we are. We are blessed with what we have. We are graced by God who cares about us individually in many ways. And this is where we find security in knowing our identity in Jesus. Going back to this point of these men, these were very bad and evil, manipulative men, shrewd men, trying to find a charge against Daniel, but they could not. Why? Because, God, uh, because Daniel was godly. He was set apart. He was good. Meaning, when the Bible tells us to show your good deeds among men that your Father in heaven may be glorified, Daniel not only did good deeds one day or two days out of the week, he lived a life where in every aspect of his life, goodness was injected into his life. The goodness of God was revealed in every area of his life. It was injected into his workplace. It was injected into his privacy. It was injected into the public. His life in itself was an example of goodness, that there was no room for fault or error. His everyday walk with God invaded every aspect of his life. And this is a challenge to us. We may walk with God when we come to church or when we're around our church fellow brothers and sisters, but will we walk with God when we're stuck in traffic and somebody cuts you off? Will we walk with God when we are in a relationship and we argue and we fight? Will we walk with God in every aspect of our lives where everything that we do, people may see that God is close to us? Well, in verse 5, they devised a plan. And as they devised this plan, they revealed it to the king. They brought it to the king and said, we bring this offer to you, king, that you may sign this decree that if anybody petitions to anyone else other than you or any other god other than you, that they should be thrown into the lion's den. And the king hears this offer and he says, we will sign this decree. The trap was set and all they had to do was now make this decree signed and ordered. I bet that these kings and officials walked out of that room where the king was and probably felt good about themselves. You know, we're doing an honorable thing. We're looking out for the best interests of the king. We're looking out for the best interests of the country. It is not because we are jealous of Daniel, but I actually find that hard to believe. I highly doubt that this was the reason. I do believe that they were jealous of Daniel. But another question came to my mind. Why? Why were they jealous of Daniel? What was the reason? It's because, I believe, they couldn't handle his unswerving commitment to God. They couldn't handle the stand the fact that Daniel loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind and all his strength. 
that no matter what they took away from him, no matter what they did to him, that he did not swerve in his commitment to God, that although he had been snatched up and taken away from his homeland, although he had been snatched up and taken away to this foreign country and changed his name, although they changed his education, although they changed his clothes, and although they changed his place of residence, one thing they could not change was his commitment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the thing that these men could not handle because he lives in such a way to display an unshakable conviction in the power and majesty of God. And it wasn't because these people didn't believe in God. They believed in many gods. They were very religious people, but Daniel made them uncomfortable. Why was this? Because Daniel got down on his knees three times a day as he usually did and prayed to his God. See, Daniel was not doing a private religious uh, practice out of obligation or routine, but Daniel, every time he got on his knees to pray, he was making a declaration. And what is that declaration that Daniel has done and what we should do as well is that he is declaring that there is only one true God, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that there is no room for other religious beliefs. This is very relevant to us today, I believe. Do you have friends or family members that are not believers of Jesus Christ? Because one thing that will upset those friends or family members is when you say Jesus is the only way the truth and the life that Jesus is the true and good shepherd that he would lay down his life for his sheep and that all that came before him were thieves and robbers our friends might respond the same way that these satraps governors and officials have done you see our friends don't mind us wearing t-shirts that say Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life what will upset them is the rest of that verse and if you finish that verse Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life nobody comes to the Father except through me. This is a truth that we declare. This is a truth that we stand up for. And if we have forgotten, because sometimes fear may do such things, we must be reminded that Daniel stood up for who he believed in, and God provided. Daniel was plotted against not because he was bad, but actually because he was good. That's very ironic, I believe. Third word I want to share here. We're almost there, guys. First was he was distinguished. Daniel was despised. Third, Daniel was disciplined. This is a key characteristic of Daniel's life. He was disciplined. And because Daniel was disciplined, even his opponents used that life of discipline against him. And if we read through verse 10 through 13, we see that this is what they used against Daniel. There is no other way that we can do. However, we will do this to the God that he serves. And they brought the document before the king. They saw that Daniel was disciplined in praying three times a day. There's a little word here in verse 13 that I do want to emphasize on before we move on here. And that word is still. In verse 13, I actually don't have it in my ESV version, but NIV or other versions might have this word. In verse 13, it says that Daniel still 
got down on his knees. He still, if I could find it here, he still made his petition three times a day. This is a very important word because if this word still was not there, this leaves open the possibility that Daniel only started to pray because of the decree, of because of what the king had ordered. In other words, did Daniel start praying because he wanted to stand against the decree? No, it wasn't. Daniel did this because this is what he did every day. He was praying always. He still prayed three times a day. You see, Daniel's commitment grew out of a life of steady consistency. Daniel had formed holy habits. When I think of holy habits, I think of prayer. And when I think of prayer, I think of a couple people in my life. My mother, my grandmother, and Pastor Daniel. We see Daniel prophet, the prophet Daniel, praying three times a day. We see Pastor Daniel, who was given this commitment, who has raised this commitment in his life to pray every morning. Holy habits do not come overnight. For Daniel, it came through a lifetime of commitment and consistency. What is another holy habit that you may think of? Reading the Bible. You may say, you know what, I think I'm going to read my Bible right now. I'm going to receive a blessing. What a blessing it is to read a Bible. To be honest, you might not receive a blessing every time you read the Bible. And I'm sure you realize that by now. But it's good to read our Bible. Why? Because it's the Bible. And because you need to. And we need to. Daniel shows us he did it from the beginning. And that's why even at the age of 80, he is still doing it. Before we move on, if you're a jokester, if you love cracking jokes as a, as a teen, I guarantee in, the, in your 80s you'll be cracking jokes, maybe even miserable jokes. If you do nothing but complain and see negativity in life as a pessimistic person at the age of 40, at the age of 70 you still might be someone that complains. If you have road rage at 20, you may still have road rage at 40. What I'm trying to say here, and the point of the matter is, the accumulation of your years of who you are and what you are, even in the terms of grace, because we know that we are a new creation in Christ and he makes all things new. But personality is tough, you know. Out of the years of life and accumulation of your practices and years of your personality, some things are hard to change. But Daniel was consistent in his life and we find that the consistency came from 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, and 24 hours a day, he remained faithful to God. That's how you get a life of consistency. It wasn't that the crisis produced this character. It was that the crisis revealed this character of Daniel. Going into our fourth point here, Daniel was distinguished. He was despised. He was disciplined, but he was also dumped into the den. Because of time, I do want to push forward here. We all have read together of what happened. The king is, he is heartbroken because of the fact that he admired this man, Daniel. The man that he wanted to make the next prime minister. The next high official to rule over the land. But because of this trickery that the 
officials has schemed, he is now unable to save Daniel's life, even the king himself. And so he gives, he gives the command to throw him into the den, and Daniel is cast into the den. You know, archaeologists have pointed out, this is just a fun side fact that I was able to discover, there was a ramp that the animals were able to use to enter the den. They were given a route for them to walk on. However, for the victims of punishment, or even when feeding the animals, they were just dropped down through the hole. They sealed the mouth of the, of the den with a stone, double sealed it so no one can interfere. And the faithfulness of Daniel in the past was a preparation for the faithfulness in the present. This is true in your life and mine. In verse 18 going forward, we see that there was not a lot of eating that took place that night. King Darius, he couldn't even sleep. King Darius didn't eat, Daniel didn't eat, and the lions didn't eat. Not much was happening on this night. However, God was working behind the scenes, which leads me to my next and final point. You see, what I wanted to do is not give life point applications tonight. I just wanted to share the Bible. I wanted to read the Bible and tell you the story of the Bible, which brings us to the fifth and glorious point, Daniel was delivered. We see that King Darius comes down in the morning. He has not even slept. Probably the queen, he didn't even bother saying good morning. He probably didn't even brush his teeth. He probably ran down. It says he ran in haste, in a rush, to seek Daniel. And what a wonderful picture this is. The king that has the power of life and death, his main concern is this man, Daniel. And in verse 20, he reads, as he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. Or in other versions, it says he cried out in a voice of lament. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel must have responded, You should have seen what happened down here in the den. The Lord sent an angel. He shut the mouths of the lion and he delivered me. Praise be to God. And the king was exceedingly glad, it says in verse 23. And Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm was found because he had trusted in his God. Again, I want to share here. We have a foreshadowing of a character here. Because when we look at the Bible, we see that the whole Bible is a book about Jesus. When you read your Bible, the question is not, where am I in this story? Because we are not Daniel. You and I are not Daniel. So the real question is, where is Jesus in this story? In all the scriptures that you read, I advise you to ask this question. Not where am I in the story, but where is Jesus in this story? And when you read this, and when you look at the stone that was cast in front of the den, you should automatically be reminded of the stone that was cast in front of the tomb. Jesus, too, was despised, just like Daniel. He, too, was treated unfairly and rejected by men. And he was also held on a fraudulent charge. But what we see as a glorious outcome is that when Daniel came out that morning, he was alive. We also see that the tomb, when it was open. Jesus' overall message is that he is alive. That's the whole story. That the God of Daniel is alive and living in your life and mine. 
that the God of Daniel is the God of the congregation of Samuel Church, that the God of Daniel is the God of you and I. Some of us here are in need of rescue tonight. We are not in need of a lecture. We are not in need of a life coach. We are in need of a savior. Some of us that are watching tonight may need to hear this message because we are as trapped and as dead as the circumstances that were apparently in the life of Daniel until God comes, lifts us up, and lifts us out. Verse 28, in the last verse, is see, we see that Daniel prospered. It's a very great ending to this chapter, but before I close, I want to share a very dark side of this story. Verse 24 reads, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones in pieces. There are some really gruesome, gory stories in the Bible. But we see one of them today. This is the dark side of Daniel's deliverance. It is that judgment that falls on those who sought to destroy the kingdom of God. Those who seek to destroy and come against the kingdom of God will face judgment. One day, Jesus will return. And on that day he returns, there will be joy, there will be shouts of joy, but there will also be cries of anguish. Joy on the part on those who are ready for him, ready to meet him. But there will be anguish and cries of lamenting to those that have never prepared to meet him and have never bowed down to the name of Jesus Christ. That is why the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. That if you hear the voice of God today, do not harden your hearts but open your heart. Today is the day that the King of kings and the Lord of lords reigns supreme over our world tonight. Empires have fallen and risen. Kings have come and gone. Presidents come and go. Trends and styles change you will see that the world around us and the world that we live in and the world that the children are going to grow up in is going to be very different than last year. But the truth of God abides forever. That is one thing that is unchanging. And Daniel operated everything on that basis. And by the grace of God, may you and I. I opened up today's sermon with the picture of finishing the race. May we finish well, friends. I hope that we may finish well. I hope that when Jesus comes, you and I will be those shouting in joy for his return. I want to share a quote and I will close in prayer with this. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I shall do. I want to share a hymn 
I think it's because I was with the children today, I was reminded of a children's hymn that I wanted to close this service out with. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. I dare you to live as a Daniel to God's glory. Will you do it? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message that has brought challenge, comfort, and possibly conviction to those that are watching. Many times in the world that we live in, we may be distracted by the things that we see with our eyes. We may turn our hearts away from God and into man. We may fear man more than we fear our God. But today we see the story of Daniel. And in this truth and in your word, O oh God, we see that Daniel spoke truth in all aspects of his life and he remained faithful in all he did. So Father, would you help us? Because we are helpless without you. Father, would you reveal hope in Jesus Christ? Because we are hopeless without him. Would you give comfort to those in need, O oh God, as we come before you tonight? And as we apply these words into our lives and apply it into every aspect, every area, and everything that we do, that we may live like Daniel. Though we are not Daniel, we dare to be like Daniel. We dare to be like Jesus. Because you have told us in Genesis 1.27 that we are created not as any other image of creation, but we are created in the image of the holy, one true living God. So Lord, we find security in knowing who we are and seeing our identity in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, God. The night is not over. There is still much to be done in our lives. There is still much that we must go through in this race. Help us, Lord. As you have granted Daniel wisdom and provision, I pray for blessing of blessing of, of wisdom and provision into the lives of those that are watching that we may continue to strive in faith as we stand firm and as we may finish well in this race. May you be glorified and truly remembered for who you are. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.